Hey, hey, powerhouses. Welcome to a, another episode of Becoming Powerhouse. Today, I have a very special podcast interview with, with Jennifer Beckage. Her story is absolutely incredible, and I really hope that you digest and take in every word that she has to share because she is a testament to strong women, strong leaders, and truly inspirational people. Jennifer Beckage is a former tech business owner, former public company executive over tech products and recognized for the last six years as one of the top 50 data breach lawyers in the United States and as a best lawyer in America. She's gotten multiple year recipients of receiving the super lawyer designation for technology and litigation and is counsel to some of the globe's largest organizations, brands, nonprofits, celebrities, high net worth individuals, and Fortune 100 companies. Whew, so impressive. And as she was recently also noted in a feature on her super lawyer uh, publication, her career trajectory is a testament to reinvention and innovation, which she leverages so well to help her clients also reinvent and innovate within their own organizations. She's a law firm founder and focuses her law practice on innovation and technology with a recognized focus on data security and privacy and incident response. Throughout her legal career, Jen has responded to numerous headline-making national and international cybersecurity incidences in counseled organizations of all sizes. She is frequently contributing to global, the global conversation surrounding crisis response, speaking at several legal cybersecurity industry events, and is also interviewed by global media on the topics related to technology, crisis response, and data security. She is a certified information privacy professional in the US and in Europe. She also received the MIT Artificial Intelligence Implications for Business Strategy in 2020. Prior to her legal career, Jen owned and led technology companies, which one of them she helped lead to the sale, uh, at, I'm sorry, to the sale of a publicly traded company. And that telecommunications company had retained her as an executive overseeing cutting edge technological products and services, which really helped her have the foresight of starting her law practice, being an expert in the field and truly being a disruptor. So you will hear it from the horse's mouth and having her share her incredible story with you. So without further ado, please tune in and enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Becoming Powerhouse, where we discuss the tough lessons I've learned while taking my two companies from negative revenue to over seven figures. We'll talk about the raw and vulnerable truths about being boss, as well as tips and strategies you can implement immediately for better business results. I'm your host, Nicole Overcamp, the founder and CEO of Wilcox Financial Group and Powerhouse Coaching. You can see links and other resources in our notes. Don't forget to head over to Powerhouse money.com to grab your free power bundle for business and subscribe to our newsletter. Now let's dive in to today's episode. 
All right, powerhouses. So I am here with Jennifer and you are going to love this podcast interview. Uh, it's, it's going to be incredible. She has so much to share and let me just say the bio that I read does zero justice and by no offense, of course, in terms of explaining the insane journey that you've had the enormous amount of, of things in your life, Jennifer, that you've been able to accomplish and do. And so I think it would be awesome if you could to just give us that, that overview and, and however deep you want to go or, or what have you in terms of where, where you started to, to where you are now in, in your journey, because you took a little, um, like, uh, what is that? A pivot, if you will, from even starting in, in tech and, and selling companies. And I know we definitely have some listeners who have done that too, and, and they've sold their business. And now they, they're actually in the quandary of like, oh my God, I'm not old yet. What do I do with my life? <laughs> and, and you had a clear direction in, in what you did and, and then built another. So um, if you could, like, let's, let's just hear it. How did, how did you get started? <laughs> Well, I think pivot is a great word and um, definitely something that I've employed over my professional and, and personal um, life. But I started off in technology back in the late 90s and I was um, you know, owning and running different tech companies. One, I helped lead to a sale to a publicly traded company that kept me on as vice president of operations. So I led all their you know, uh, technical products and services and then, you know, during that whole process, I realized lawyers didn't know technology at all. And so I decided- <laughs> still don't. <laughs> still don't, many. Um, so I decided to begin a second career in law focusing on technology. So I went to law school and there are no technology courses. Got out of law school trying to build a technology practice in a world where people were still really trying to understand, you know, the power of databases, how the internet works, uh, what does all this metadata mean? And when the first big data breaches started to occur, a lot of my old former colleagues, you know, were the head of IT, the CTO, the CIO of different organizations. And so I just started getting those calls because I had the legal background and the tech background and, you know, have really built, you know, a niche practice for myself. I was really kind of one of the first in the space for data security and privacy. And, you know, for the last six years, I've been named one of the top 50 data breach lawyers in the country. My um, law firm that I have, which is the Beckage firm, focuses in on uh, technology, incident response, compliance, litigation, regulatory investigations. So um, that's kind of you know, where my professional career started was you know, finding an opportunity, even if I was going to be one of the first ones in the market, mm-hmm. not being afraid to take that chance and start something new because I always believe in myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm not afraid to start over again if it means it's going to be better for me or I'm going to make change or I'm going to be a disruptor in the space. Because like I said, at the end of the day, if you believe in yourself, no one's going to work harder than me. That's right. Oh. Yeah. I always say like, you are your best and only advocate regardless. Right. And so that's, that's huge. And that takes a tremendous amount of courage, especially uh, take two, right. This wasn't your, where you started and to have that foresight and anticipating where the market is going and 
and shoot, you pick something that is not going anywhere either. <laughs> it's here, it's here to stay and in growing like wildfire. So that's amazing. And, and you know, when you did that, if you don't mind sharing, like about what age were you when you when you made that pivot? Um, I think I was in my later 20s. Okay. And, you know, I was blessed with an incredible career at a very young age. And which in itself was very intimidating. Here I am in my, you know, 20s at the boom of the internet, trying to convince, you know, CEOs of very large organizations to not buy a phone book ad and instead invest (laughs) in something called the internet. And I'm not that old, um, (laughs) but that's how fast technology's grown, you know, over the last 20, 30 years. And you know, it was just such a tremendous experience, but at the same time, you know, again, I'm, I'm trying to convince people about a new technology that was a disruptor. I myself was very young, female, mm-hmm. from Texas with a Southern accent, you know, working with clients, mostly based in the Northeast. You know, I had a lot of things, not that they weren't working my way, but just additional challenges, you know, whether sure. it was the only woman in the room, or someone trying to figure out my accent and is she from Tennessee? Is she from Texas? You know, where is she? You know, explaining a very complex technology to other folks. So, uh, but none of it intimidated me. I never thought about it as an issue. I mean, looking back, I I see a little bit more of it, mm-hmm. but I just kept thinking, okay, what do I need to do? Yeah. I worked with a voice coach to help reduce my Southern accent at the time. You know, really? I, I really took a lot of steps to try to cause less distraction about me and more mm-hmm. about the work that I was doing and always leading with my work has always been a priority. I, I want to get the award because I am the best because I do work the hardest because mm-hmm. I am the innovator and it's not necessarily about me. It's about the work that I'm doing. I love that. And that probably speaks to how you've been so successful is looking at the impact, the vision and and what you're capable of and like completely ignoring all of those things that I think holds a lot of women back in terms of worrying so much about what are they going to think or the confidence issue. And, And back then, not that, you know, it's changed some now, but to be in a room and to be the only woman is nerve wracking in itself. Um, you know, we, I, I interviewed somebody, uh, for the podcast last week and she was saying, and she was also in the tech space and, uh, you know, she's like, man, I wasn't nervous to, you know, it sucked for a day to quit my job and start my own company. She's like, but you want to know what <laughs> was like the, the worst of everything was walking down this like long hallway of Microsoft and then making a presentation in my twenties to all these old white men, you know? And she's like, that was the moment of which I knew I could do anything, not starting my company, you know? And I was like, man, that really speaks to like, the pressure and the courage and, and then, you know, just being able to overcome those things. And I think we forget, um, especially nowadays, how, how it was and how far we've come to in, in terms of what we used to deal with and, and now, and, and those little things and those nuances that we take for granted sometimes and it having to get through those, that little shit, it's not necessarily the complexities of building a company, right? 
um, of which you, you've done in, in incredible strides and, and nevertheless, and, and still too, and, and you went through. So I, I met uh, Jennifer during our training for a triathlon sprint, uh, which was, <laughs> I'm glad I did it. I checked it off my list and I won't do it again. Um, but I, I met. I enjoyed it. I don't you remember you? when I yeah. finished, yeah. I, I said, let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I know you were ready to rock. And I was like, oh, that was really great. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know about, you know, it's, um, I loved the train. Like I love the challenge. Right. But then right. when I do it, I'm like, okay, compartmentalize, done check, move on. You know, <laughs> and so, I love swimming, um, but I did not care for the swim. Not, yeah. I didn't mind swimming. I didn't like being around so many people, so people. close yeah. and the yeah. water I think was a little cold, it was um, but it was great. It was a great yeah. challenge. Yeah. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. I know. I remember I, we were standing there like huddled up ready for the swim part and like Nadine, our mutual friend was like mm-hmm. hugging me. Like I was like shivering so much. I'm like, I don't even know if I can do this. Um, but of course, once you got in it, it didn't matter. But yeah, the part that freaks me out about those things is the bike ride and having like other people. Cause I feel like oh. that's the moment you're not in control 100%, right. Cause you're on, on right. something else. So, um, but no, it was, it was a good time and you were healthy and fit and, and somebody too, I was like, just admiring from afar and like watching your LinkedIn. I was just like, my God, like she is brilliant and crushing it and has all of it going on and, and just looking up for up, up to you. Right. And, 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 and then uh, shortly after I was in a yoga class with our mutual friend and Nadine's like, man, did you hear about what happened with Jen? And I'm like, well, no, do tell. And, and she's like, she's really sick right now and going through, um, pancreatic cancer. And I'm like, whoa, 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 stop, like stop the bus, you know? And, and I had this moment where I, I, number one, it was this like, a rush of emotion. And then you, you know, in, in this selfish capacity, right. Think to yourself, like how, how she was so healthy. She is young. And then you say, I'm so healthy, you know, and, and you just go through this rush. And, and then I, you know, of course I was like, is she okay? How's she doing? And, um, and you, I will let you tell that story, but the, um, just the extreme change in, yeah knowing you in this moment of getting through that sprint and you being like full bore ready to do another one and, and then not. Yeah, no. And the weird, so that was right before COVID hit and again, feeling great. I wanted to do it a second time when I finished, I also enjoyed (laughs) training, um, the unknown, right. Just literally diving into this, um, this race. I, during that time, so I, I, I was having, a lot of different issues. And all I knew is it was something different, unique. This wasn't just like a, you're not feeling well. And, you know, it was stomach pains and acid reflux and weight issues. And I just felt like I wasn't really being heard and seen. And I had switched to a new doctor who said, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm I really believe, you know, in someone trusting their gut. And so we went through all the tests and this was around the holidays around, you know, Christmas, I could have easily skipped an appointment. You know, I've, I've got a bunch of kids. And so, you know, there's always a lot going on and it could have been so easy just to have missed one and not, or not pushed. Well, I'll do it after the new year. 
but I kept doing it. It, it wasn't making me nervous, but I was frustrated that I didn't know the answer to what was mm-hmm. happening. And um, on January 10th, 2020, so again, right before COVID, very, very right before COVID, I was diagnosed with stage three pancreatic cancer, which shocked my mind because yeah. I, you know, every year I've done a half marathon or a tough mutter or a sprint triathlon. You know, I've done something, you know, I'm full of energy. I, I don't have pancreatic cancer in my family. I thought it was a cancer that people like in their seventies or eighties got, you know, not someone who's young and healthy. I just had a lot of trouble like identifying with mm-hmm. this diagnosis because it didn't, it didn't match me. So um immediately got a bunch of bunch of opinions on what to do. And that was really enormous. And I I'm introduced to a lot of folks that you know receive some sort of life-threatening, you know, cancer diagnosis or cancer diagnosis in itself. And I, I always push them to try to get a second opinion and, you know, not always insurance may cover it, or you might not have the means to get there or to do it, or it might be hard, but, you know, the value of talking to somebody else and uh, getting those extra tests done were, were really important to me to help make a decision about what my next step was. I'm also a lawyer, right? So I'm going to do <laughs> right. diligence and, and, and really advocate for myself because like you were saying earlier, you know, no one else is going to do it except for you. Yeah. So I immediately um, put together sort of a strategy that was a little outside the box, maybe on typical pancreatic cancer um, treatment regimens. I had the benefit of getting surgery first. So most times they want you to do chemo, try to shrink your tumor, then surgery, um, then chemo again, and then maybe radiation. So I did surgery first, which was incredible. And, you know, got home and COVID hit. So here I am right after surgery, I'm about to start chemo and the world is shut down. So no food trains, no one coming over to hug me to say, I'm sorry about your diagnosis. It was really, really hard. You know, normally you have these visions of going through cancer and everyone's by your bedside and Mm -hmm. coming over all the time and chatting with you and holding your hand and I didn't have that. I had to be a mom. I still worked full-time, probably even worked more because data breaches were up during COVID. So my, my law firm was going through explosive growth. So I'd sit there in chemo with my laptop, you know, just, I I wanted to feel normal. I wanted to feel like I was still participating. I didn't, I was not going to identify with the odds, which were that Mm -hmm. percent, I wasn't going to make it. 90%. 90%. Yeah. I mean, I'm a lawyer. If someone told me 90% odds you're not going to make it. I'd be like, all right, <laughs> things aren't looking too good. So I did chemo for a year. Uh, again, very challenging. And I can talk about, you know, what that looked like because it was very different, right? Than a typical yeah. process. And then finished with radiation every day for about five weeks. And um, the, the, the journey was hard. It it wasn't kind of what I expected. I, I mean, I had, I mean, I obviously knew people that had gone through cancer treatments right. before, but when you kind of go through it or yourself, you suddenly become a master on all medical terms and sure. different treatments. I did a lot of um, mindfulness, meditation, gratefulness. I wake up every morning before I open my eyes, I think about what I'm grateful for. And that's kind of how I've always been. I don't think you'll mm-hmm. say this is me hundred yeah. yeah. percent this way, but I really try to use positive thinking, not see 
not really visualize myself in the end, you know, passing, but instead beating it. And that personal strength, I think is, I, I think really what made a difference in my outcome, because I, I don't know why I survived and others don't, you know, other than my sheer, incredible, insane willpower to yeah. live. I, yeah. don't, I don't know because, you know, I, I had a really good friend who got treatment for something different and, you know, she has a family and kids and she passed and I mean, we went to the same hospital. We went to the, got the same treatment. We, it, it makes no sense to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, I was actually going to ask you that and you, you answered it for me in, in terms of the, the incredible ability for you to stay and remain mentally strong during, during that time probably did play a huge impact on, on you surviving and beating insane odds. Um, and, and it's so crazy. I, I read, um, not all of it because it's 1000 billion pages long, but Tony Robbins book life force. And he was talking about, um, you know, there's all these scientific things and all these, um, therapies and things that you can do from a medical perspective, but he talked, you know, to the, the quote unquote woo side of things of which I've gotten more in tune to over the years. And, and, and you probably like me maybe didn't naturally accept that right away. Cause I am very like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Like tell me definitively how this is. So, and, you know, um, but, but I have really, um, taken into like that power of being able to use your mind to, um, not only stay strong, but heal. And then being able to visualize yourself being well, really does play, play such a strong, I truly believe in, and, and it did for you, I, I would think, you know, and in your ability to recover and some things, of course, we'll never have answers to, but yeah. Um, you know, and, and so going through number one, I want to also note, and for everyone listening, like you did not mess around. You didn't make an excuse. <laughs> you, you paid attention to your symptoms. You sought help. And then you, um, you know, fought like hell to get the, the opinions that you needed and, and going through that process versus making the excuse of like, I'm too busy. I'll deal for this later. So like ladies listening, please don't ignore this shit, but then, um, working, you get written you off know, as, it's girl problem. Yeah, right? exactly. You're getting older. Is it premenopausal? Right. You know, it's oh, so yeah. easy to just sort of fall into this category. Yeah. But yeah, being an advocate is yes. really important. Making that time for yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, who is? No one, no one will come save you. Yes. Like you have to do that yourself and in, you know, trusting your intuition, like you knew something wasn't right. And I'm not going to believe these doctors who are just saying, uh, you know, I don't know. And so that's, that's just huge because I, I know there's probably so many people listening to this that are like, wait a minute, maybe I should maybe I should look back and, and think of that and then working through work, um, and, in in the hospital bed and, and going through chemo. And it's just like, there's so much there that you had to do, but also didn't stop like that. That's incredible. I, I think personally, and, um, and there's somebody else uh, in the, again that I interviewed who did the same thing. And it just speaks to again, I think the the strength in your mindset and and while taking care of your kiddos. And this is uncharted territory for you because you've never had cancer before, but COVID, <laughs> like so so not only did you stay mentally strong for yourself and your family, you were lonely 
I mean, in completely oh, I would, isolated. No one, and so no one, yeah, no one could even walk in with me for yeah. my patients. I'm treated, treated literally like in people in suits, like a hazmat team taking yeah. my temperature, right. Letting me get in. Um, the, the first time I got chemo I and mean, we were all terrified, right. You have to put yourself back yes. in that mindset that we're washing our food and spraying our mail and leaving it in the garage for two days before right. you bring it to the house. So the, um, the first time I had chemo, I wore two sets of outfits and then I wore, um, gloves and, uh, goggles, um, a shower cap, a cap, um, obviously my mask and I would get treatment. And then when I'd be picked up, I'd, I'd walk outside and I would take off that whole first layer, throw it in a garbage bag, tie it, put it in the back and then get home. And my, my kids are seeing all of this because I are yeah, very, very young yes. and you know, they, they can't not, it can't be left at home alone. So then I'd get home and get in the garage. I'd take off that whole last layer, um, re-put on a mask and everything, and then run into a shower and shower. Like, I just had chemo. Like, I'm wiped. I'm exhausted. I'm nauseous, right? But I had to go through this whole extra step because you're so terrified. And so many people didn't get treatment because they were more afraid of getting COVID at the time. Yeah. It, it It was hard. I mean, it's, yes, I was very positive. And I do believe that got me through and I'm a very positive person, but don't get me wrong. I've had many, many bad days. Uh, And I think you have to allow yourself to have have some bad days, Mm -hmm. process things and Mm -hmm. have clarity and just to be human. Yeah. And you are and giving yourself that grace, I think is important. And, And is there anything, Jen, that you read or held on to like during that time that you found is is helpful um or honestly it was really my kids just looking in their eyes like there was yeah. no choice for me yeah. you know, failure was not an option I said that probably a million times in my head you know yeah. I, I want to see them finish elementary school I'm I'm gonna be there yeah. and um that was probably the biggest thing you know I I read a lot about religion, you know, you start Mm -hmm. to question your own, Sure. Um, you know, you don't know what this is going to look like. And I think that was an important step in process, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, doing a lot of reading and education. You know, I did read a lot about how do people survive? You know, why, why do some Mm -hmm. people survive and some don't? Yeah. And look, there's some factors that, you know, your um, genetic makeup, right? The treatment you receive, you know, some of those sorts of things, but a lot of it does come down to, you know, the, the willpower that you have, Mm -hmm. that that mindfulness. And I think again, at the end of the day, I think that's, that's what gets us all through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I mean, life is no walk in the park. <laughs> I mean, no matter if it's something as, as traumatic as that, or, or just in general, it's, it's hard and, and mindset's huge and being healthy and you living well. Um, you know, and, and so, and, and now that you are here, thank God and, in in thriving and, and back to, um, you know, you're still running a law practice. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. the package firm. Uh, of which is you're up for a big award, right? Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking, let's hear about that because like you, you had a thriving law firm, you got through all of this and now you're still here, still thriving, didn't miss a beat, but in your mind, you probably missed a lot of beats. And so 
what is this award and, and how is it significant? Yeah. Um, so I'm up for person of the year attorney in my industry. And also my law firm is up for law firm of the year, a cyber law firm. It's really emotional for me because, you know, I had this thriving practice and things even like I told you, I, I wanted to work while I was going through treatment. Right. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the late honorable Ruth Bader Ginsburg was someone I really admired, you know, because she also had pancreatic cancer. You know, she had know that. You know, battled through, um, you know, kept working while she was sick and because it makes you still feel like you're part of life. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I don't want to be someone yeah. who's sick that people have to take care of. Like if I'm working, I'm part of life. And they thought my, they had seen spots. And if my cancer had metastasized, um, I would have been dead within a few months mm -hmm. and I'd spent so much time, you know, working and mm -hmm. trying to do all the right things that, you know, this looked like this was definitely going to be the end and I needed to prepare for that. Um, and that's something too. I think it's okay to prepare. It's kind of like feels good to at least mm -hmm. know like, all right, at least I'm doing something that this happens, but I did bucket list items with my kids. Um, I wrote, a whole there's sitting right there it's called the end and it's my obituary I've got more notes videos letters to my kids that you know the first time they have their heart broken when they graduate from high school when they get married you know if I'm not there you know all the messages I wanted to give them and you know we over time ended up ruling out a lot of these spots as non-cancerous mm -hmm. and I found out that you know based on sort of how far out I'm from my cancer and everything I'm going to live which was not a phone call I ever thought I was going to get, like, especially at that time, it was so overwhelming. And so I went back into the practice of law because I'd left a little bit as I was preparing to die. Sure. Um, and so my, for my industry to recognize me and mm -hmm. not allowing me, but, you know, I took this time off that I needed yeah. to do what I needed to do as I was preparing to die at the time, which, you know, I felt very strongly was a very real possibility, obviously, um, right. bucket list items with my kids. So to come back into it and be recognized, you know, and nominated, peer nominated in that way, it's, it's really touching to me. It's, it's yeah. emotional because, you know, not always, I think I was telling you before we started, I feel a lot like Tom Hanks in that movie, Cast Away. Yeah. Yeah. So long for, you know, by myself, and not a, a lot of, not a lot of support at all, you know, um, to then come back into a world and it's like, oh, everyone thought I was dying, including myself. Where do I fit in? Yeah. So that, yeah. That's like this new stage that I'm trying to navigate. Mm -hmm. And I love what I do. So to be recognized in that way, yeah. my industry really means a lot to me because I fought really hard to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's supporting you right back. It sounds like, which yeah. oh, it's is, is an incredible, yeah, an incredible spot to be. And, and it speaks to, um, I mean, not just the person you are is an incredibly strong human, but your level of expertise and knowledge and that you are a trailblazer in your field in general. I mean, you, you've been a disruptor from the beginning. Uh, and so, and, and now, Jen, you know, as, as we, you know, wrap things up here, what, what are you, um, is there anything now that you do different or think differently? I mean, you had, you went through, I, I mean, you didn't die, you, you lived. And so you lived as if you were going to die. And I think that's something that 
we talk about all the time. You know, there's all these little quotes and there's a song about it, live as if you were dying. And, you know, you, you need to really think about that this, this could be it, but so often we don't, right? We don't. And, and now that you went through that and you're here and in, in, yes, dealing with the, well, I'm here part of that. And, and now how, how do I cope with this? You know, it's, it's this wonderful grace, but also to your point, you now have to think about what life it is. And so how, what, what are some of the things that now you're like, no, that was old me, but new me is doing life this way, because now I, I, I get to be here in this completely new scene and, and really vision of, of where you are and where you're going. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I I'm still me a hundred percent authentic me. I'm always yeah. going to be positive and full of energy and a fighter and look out for myself. I think and this is something, you know, any entrepreneur probably deals with is really trying to find that right tribe that you're with. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you started off to say, talking about, which is really beautiful, you know, how my cancer, how that felt to you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're going through it, you're oh my gosh, this is what I'm dealing with. And I'm thinking about my kids, right. And sometimes you forget that impact. Um, so I guess I was really surprised by, you know, when things were looking bad and it looked like I was dying, how many people just got on that bandwagon of she's dying. So I felt literally like I was at my own funeral watching people mm. fight for the bases and the paintings. Yeah. That was really hard for me, for people to quit on me in that way. Yeah. That's how I felt at the time, right? Yeah. People quitting yeah. on me or not being there or, you know, well, if she's gone, what can I get? You know, kind right. of yeah. Um, and really realizing I need to be very more careful, I guess, about mm -hmm. who I let in. Cause that was yeah. so painful and so hurtful, right? Like incomprehensible to me. Sure. So sure. I think now I'm, I'm very careful and cautious about who I really let in, you know, are these people that will hold my hand to the end, you know, yeah. during the struggles, mm -hmm. um, finding those trusted advisors, finding those people that, um, but it's, it's human. I'm not mad that people reacted that way. Right. Sure. Um, it's just nothing I never would have ever comp comprehended, you know, and, and it's even on steroids, right. Cause this all happened during COVID. So people were definitely, right. like, I'm in my own bubble and I got to look out for myself. Right. Yeah. Um, but I don't ever want to be hurt. Um, mm -hmm. I don't want my, my kids ever to be hurt. So yeah. I don't want my business to be hurt. I, so I want to always make sure that I've got like that right circle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Circle. Yeah. I love that. And in your circle is so critical. And I talk about this all the time. I mean, it is part of what makes or breaks you often. And, and sometimes we have to rebuild those circles and it is, and I had to do the same to some degree. And, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to me how, when you go through such a devastating moment, how people really true, like true, their show, hello, technical words, um, show their true colors, show their true colors. And, and, you know, they're and and you'll find who your ride or dies are and you'll find the surface level people who, you know, as soon as shit gets hard, they're going to say they're there for you. But then when they need to show action, they're gone, they are gone to never return. And, 
Um, yeah. You know, it, it it really does make you think twice, you know, who moving forward you, you let in. But then also what I found, and I don't know if, if you did too, but who I'm willing to donate my energy to. And, and it's so much easier now for me to put up those hard boundaries and knowing, um, you know what, you're not worth my my energy or my, my stress or emotions, because I know that on the other end, you're, you're not there for me anyway. So it's so much easier to do that where before I would agonize over like making everybody happy. And now I'm like, no, no, yeah. no, if you're not in my like core circle, I'm going to think twice um, yeah. about, about some of the things that, that I'm uh, agreeing to per se, or I suppose letting affect me from like an emotional yeah. perspective. Huh. Right. Yeah, no, I, and I think what's maybe surprised me is the beauty of strangers. Yes. You know, and right now I spend a lot of time, a lot of people who know someone who has a life-threatening cancer, they introduce them to me and I, I speak with them, share my story and I'm very vulnerable with them. And, you know, um, when I've gone through different tragedies, um, so right after I found I was going to live, my mom went in for a hernia procedure and it was, she, she had stage four pancreatic cancer and died within weeks. Um, the cancer I just beat, right. I mean, my chemo board just got out and I'm sitting with her and she's dying of something. It was just insane to me to be kind of in this moment. And I remember, you know, traveling to see her and I didn't think my flight was going to land in time to see Mm -hmm. her at this layover at this airport and strangers. I mean, they could just see me crying on the phone. Like, am I going to get there in time to say goodbye? Yeah. You know, buying me food or just coming over and giving me a hug or writing me a text message while I was on the phone so I could read it while I was crying. Like, I got you, girl, or I believe in you. It's going to be okay. You know, it was really, you know, the power of just human touch and mm-hmm. love, especially after COVID, you know, it, it really is beautiful what people yeah. will do. And to, to, I know what you're saying about the hard walls, because I do that, yeah. but you have to also be willing yeah. Accept love wherever it may come. And, you know, we all have our, you know, careful. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a beautiful thing about, you know, the human race, honestly. 100%. It is, it is so beautiful. And I got goosebumps when you were saying that. I mean, how, how crazy, but there are, and there are people who authentically and genuinely are there to support and love even if you haven't known them for years. And, um, you know, and and I always say this too, and it's so simple, but like you, um, you know, you think something in your head sometimes, but you don't say it out loud because you're not sure how they may react or respond. And what I mean by that is like something as simple as you see someone busting their ass at the gym and you want to root them on, but you don't, you know, it's like, no, always say that thing. Always say the thing. If you see someone upset and extending that, um, you know, arm or grace or help or whatever it is, if it's something that you're thinking and it's an act of kindness to just say it because you never know how deeply that can help that person in the moment, regardless of, of where you may see it. Because I think, you know, part of being kind is not making assumptions and, and offering um, that time and love, you know, because we, there's so much under the surface often, and, and we just um, don't always give people the opportunity to to have that, that time. So, um, so thank you. I, I loved this conversation. It was, it was incredible and inspiring, empowering all, all of the things and, and just heartfelt truly. I think, you know, we don't take enough pauses in life to really ask ourselves, like, 
are we living, you know? Um, so thank you for being so vulnerable and, and sharing your journey. And is there anything that you want to end the podcast with? No, thank you so much. It's so good to mm-hmm. see you. I wish I was right there with you, actually. Um, I do too. <laughs> I'm really happy that you're, you know, sharing stories. I think sharing stories, you never know. I mean, I remember when I was diagnosed, I spent hours trying to find a story of someone like me surviving yeah. every, yeah. everything I saw, it sounded great. And at the end it said, you know, four months after writing this, she passed away from, you know, so I think sharing stories is really important mm-hmm. and I'm here for anyone who might be listening that might be battling, you know, any type of life threatening cancer, going through something similar, um, you know, as a resource, as that stranger willing to help and to say, you know, it's going to be okay. There's somebody here that, you know, believes in you and, you know, thank you for believing in me and all the nice things that you said. I think I'm just doing the best that I can every day. Right. That's all we're all doing. That's and right. I'm proud of the achievements, but it's not um, without people like you and others that, you know, have always kind of rooted me on. So thank you so much for the time and for the podcast. Thank you. And we will have all of Jennifer's contact information in the show notes as well. And so until next time, powerhouses continue to be courageous. Thanks so much for listening to Becoming Powerhouse. You can find all of the links to our site and resources in the show notes. Let's connect on Instagram at powherhousemoney. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at powerhousemoney.com. Remember, I want to connect with you. I want to hear your thoughts and help you with all the challenges you're having. So engage, send me a DM. And of course, if you're loving this podcast, let us know and go ahead and hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Thank you.